On this episode of Own Your Business, I'm going to share reason 294 on why you're getting ghosted. Your inquiry response. Truly, most wedding pros end up oversharing and overwhelming because you don't understand the way you're making couples feel when they first inquire. In this episode, we'll dig into the seven frequent missteps you might be making on your first email. See why your excitement is actually smothering any spark you hope to create. Pick up three solid tips for your next response and learn five questions to ask when you get an inquiry from a planner or a venue. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Let's start off today's episode with a question about ethics. Not morality, but just ethics. Is it ethical to shop around your competition to learn what they charge, what their sales process looks like, what kind of collateral they offer, other things? I don't know. What do you think? Is it ethical? I'm going to give you an it depends answer from me. Now, do I think it's ethical to secret shop somebody and pretend that you are a different person and put in an inquiry with a fake name and a fake event? No, I don't think that's ethical at all. I think that's lying to try and get information from somebody that's going to help you and it's a nefarious approach. It's a, a way that doesn't align, at least, with my own morals. Now, here's the other side of it. If you are inquiring, for real, with your own name and with honest intentions about a real event, I do think it's okay to go ahead and find information for somebody. And that's exactly what I did when my cousin got married. This was a while ago. She was in the same area as me, reached out and said, hey, Sam, can I get some help with trying to find a venue? Now, at the time, I was still selling directly for a venue here in the Pacific Northwest. And I was like, absolutely. I'm happy to help. Rolled up my sleeves, went to work. And I reached out to 20 different venues. I just wanted to see what it was like to pretend to be getting married again. Because I had gotten married to my first wife, Allie at the resort that I worked at. And so there were no inquiries that I made to other venues trying to figure out where we wanted to get married. That was easy. It was a slam dunk. We were getting married at our venue, which was the top venue in the Pacific Northwest. So this was a really great opportunity for me to learn a little bit more about what was going on and also help my cousin at the same time. Now, I reached out to these 20 different venues because I imagine that's what real couples are doing when they first get engaged and are starting to look at wedding properties. Get excited, you go online, you look around, you click on stuff, you copy and paste the same email, you know the one. Whether you're a venue or not, you probably get it yourself. Hi, my fiance just got engaged. What are your packages? How much do they cost? And are you available? Or something like that. Now, I introduced myself as the cousin of the person who was getting married 
and sent out requests for information. I got a bunch back. Now, it's pretty strange to hear, but not everybody actually responded. And this lines up with some stat that I had heard at a knot workshop many years ago where something is like 40% of all inquiries that go into vendors don't get responded. I mean, that's crazy. I, I, I'm still blown away by that being an actual number, but I experienced it firsthand when I didn't have people get back to me. And so, okay, that was something to make a note of. But here was another thing. I was overwhelmed by the amount of information that I got. It was crazy. A lot of people got back to me real quick. I remember a few of them got back to me before I shut the computer down. And most of them got back to me the next day and a few more straggled in here and there. But I was blinded by the amount of information that I got. And here are some things that I picked up from this little experiment. And I wanted to share with you because it's what I've seen over and over and over again from the pros that I work with and from friends that I have that are in the industry. When you get an inquiry, oftentimes we send out these long emails, long emails, lots of information in them. And not just lots of information, but we're talking about big walls of text. This is the way that the email itself is organized. It's laid out, or as we call in copywriting, wireframed. And it's just these big walls of text. Could be sentences that are 15, 25, 50 words long. Could be five, six, eight sentences together in a paragraph. But they look like just big, huge blocks of text. Also, a lot of the emails that I got back and that I know you all are sending out are generic templates. Copy and paste. You've got a template saved in your draft or it's in your CRM and you get an inquiry and out goes the template. And you might have some fields that are designated to be quote unquote personalized. But in general, 95% of the content is already there and you're just filling in the blanks here or there, or maybe adding a sentence at the top or the bottom of it. Also, most inquiry responses that I saw then and see now have pricing and packages attached. You're like an order taker. You, somebody says, I would like to have this. And you're like, great, I'll fulfill that order request. You want pricing and packages? I will send them to you. We're going to talk a little bit about why that is probably costing you business. Another thing that I saw over and over again and still see, even with all the technological advances that have been made, is that there are multiple or big attachments to the email that is coming back on response to the inquiry. Not only are there tons of words on the email, but then there are attachments that could be 8, 10, 15 more pages long. PDFs, really hard to read on a little screen because they aren't mobile friendly. They aren't responsive to the size of the screen on a phone. So it's really challenging to get that information. Another thing that I see quite a bit is that there are multiple calls to action inside of inquiry responses. Check out this gallery. Look at this blog post. Click on this link. Check out the pricing guide that's attached. Make an appointment. Are there any questions? And on and on and on. And I get so overwhelmed looking at them that I don't know what to do. If I'm the couple getting married, or at least the cousin sharing that information with the couple that's getting married. And then lastly, what I see quite a bit is that there's not a lot of next steps. The next steps that I see are typically get back to me with any questions. That's it. That's how the emails ended. Look forward to hearing from you. So 
I want to dig in a little bit to some of the issues that I have with these based on all of my knowledge of sales psychology, copywriting, communication strategy, because it's important to first look at what you're doing and see if there are any big glaring mistakes. Before we get really good at something, we have to make sure that we're not being pulled back by the things that are deficiencies in our process. This is really, really crucial. It doesn't matter how many good things you do. If you have one or two or three bad things that are so bad that they corrupt the entire process. And that's oftentimes what happens with wedding pros in the sales process is that there's a couple of things that are doing real damage that it doesn't matter how many other great things you do or how great your portfolio is or your personality is. It doesn't matter because these negative experiences that your couples are going through overwhelm and outdo all of the positive ones. So one of the issues with the long emails is that most couples don't have time to read. Now, something like two-thirds to even you know three-quarters or more of your inquiry responses through email are going to be looked at on a phone. And most people don't pick up their phone when they're sitting down to do a bunch of work. They pick up their phone when they're wanting to distract themselves or they have a few minutes or even a few seconds to fill because that's all they have between one activity and the next. It could be while they're waiting for a commercial to end on a show they're watching or maybe somebody gets back from the bathroom at a restaurant that they're at or maybe they're sitting in the back of a car and they're just trying to figure out a way to not have to have a conversation with the driver and so they pick up their phone and start going through it when we pick up our phones we're not ready to read a lot and so when you send these big long emails people are going through them and they if they have to scroll and swipe up a couple of times that's okay but if you get to like three four five times all of a sudden they're like wow when does this thing end they look at the little scroll wheel on the right and they see they're only about a tenth of the way down and they're gonna go ahead and just get out of that email and they may or may not remember to flag it so that's one big issue people don't have a lot of time to read these long emails another thing going back to these big walls of text is that they are overwhelming to look at even on desktop they're overwhelming to look at can you imagine what it looks like on a phone when you have a 200 word paragraph to try and plow through it's a lot. This idea of sending out a generic template that's easy for you, that's great. But is it a good experience for the person who's reading it? Absolutely not. They feel like they're a number in line at the DMV waiting to get called up to the counter. Yes, please. How can I help you? That's what that comes across as. Even if you use 19 exclamation marks in there, it still feels like you're sending out a generic message to some number at the counter who just came up and asked for information. And we don't want to be treated like a number. We don't want to be just another person in line. We want people to pay attention to us. So those generic responses are fast to send out, but they're not doing you any favors when it comes to getting people to actually respond. Let's talk about the pricing and packages in these PDFs that are sent out. Yes, you're answering the questions about price, but when you send pricing to people who don't know what the value of your services are, and they don't even know what they need in the first place, that pricing is always going to be too expensive. Even if it's very affordable in your market, it's still too expensive compared to what they thought. We have to put in some more work before they're ready to see that kind of pricing. We can put our starting at on our website and our inquiry response if we're getting a lot of price shoppers. Yes, we can do that, but we don't want to give all of the information about how much our products cost and all of our products. Like I mentioned earlier, PDFs, Terrible way, generally, to share information that you want people to read on a phone. 
Now, I don't have a problem sharing PDFs if it's something that's going to be a reference document. That's okay. But if you're using it to try and convey information for the first time to somebody who hasn't yet signed on for your services, it's a real hard read. Let's go to these multiple CTAs that I see quite a bit. I didn't know what to take action on. I had so many opportunities to pursue. And what I ended up doing was clicking on something that took me down the social media rabbit hole. And then I didn't go back to the site. I didn't go back to the email. I didn't read. I didn't look at anything else because I got sucked in. I got hooked just the way that the app developers have in mind. So when you provide all of these exits from your email that take people away from that one core motive that you want, which is to get them to book a call with you, or at least move to the next step of pre-qualifying them, it's a quick way to see people not take action. And let's talk about the end of most emails that we see with inquiry responses. Get back to me with any questions. I look forward to hearing from you. These are all lame and they don't work. What we want to do is we want to trigger a response by asking a question. In fact, we want to ask several questions throughout the email to prime them for the last question, which is something along the lines of what works best for you? What, you know, what, what time date works best for you for us to get on that phone call that I just requested up above? That's how we want to end it. We want them to answer that last question that we have. Now, not much has changed with how most pros respond to wedding inquiries from when I did this exercise several years ago. That's because it's exciting to get an inquiry. Woohoo! I got an inquiry. This could be a possible booking. This could pay my rent for the month, my mortgage for the month. This could cover my childcare. This could be a little bit more money towards my vacation. So you get pumped, psyched, stoked about it, and it comes in and you're like, woohoo, I'm going to go ahead and give them all the information they need to make a really good decision. That way they can have it all there, they can talk about it, and send it back to me when they're ready to move forward or at least have some questions for me. But what ends up happening is that exuberance, that enthusiasm, that excitement, you end up smothering them. It reminds me of Lenny, <laughs> the, you know, the kind of oaf from Of Mice and Men. He has the, the little kitten and he ends up squeezing it to death. That's kind of how these inquiry responses feel to the couples who are inquiring. You're so excited to have an opportunity to connect with them that you end up squeezing the life out of the relationship. So slow it down. Remember, the goal of your inquiry response is to see if it's a good fit, to take it to the next step. Is this going to be somebody that I can work with? And if you're not filled up in your calendar or too busy to respond to the inquiries thoroughly, you want to take the time to get on a discovery call. You want to discover if it's going to be a good fit for you. And so the next activity in the sales process is not to book them, it's to get them on that call. That's if you're not filled up or too busy. If you are filled up or super busy, like I know so many of you are, then we want to go through a pre-qualifying process that is largely automated. And what you're going to do is you're going to screen these inquiries by sending them to another hurdle they have to get over before you're willing to talk with them. And we recommend a landing page that pre-qualifies the inquiry before you get on that discovery call. You send out an automated response, lightning fast. They get the response before they even have time to move on to the next thing that's attracting their attention on their phone. They then go in, they read the short little automated response, they click on the link because it's a very definitive call to action, and they go to that landing page and then you walk them through the next steps and they're hooked. Instead of going onto your social media, now they're reading more about you. And at the bottom of that page, 
that's where you mentioned a little bit more about price and provide a dedicated CTA to schedule an appointment with you. Now, there's a hell of a lot more that goes into that inquiry response landing page. I'm not going to share that with you because it's something that we share and charge for with our copywriting clients and also with the Catapult coaching members in our new Level Up program. And I don't want to give all that away for free. But if you're interested and you want us to do some work on pre-qualifying clients for you through copywriting, that is a service we provide. You can hit me up, Sam at IDActionConsulting.com. But if you prefer my perfect inquiry response, if you're not book solid yet, I'm going to give you a little bit of information here and then a next step for you to see exactly what it looks like. So three things here. Number one, keep it short. Two to three screens worth on your phone. That's about 100 to 150 words. 200 if you've got some questions that you've got to answer in there. But keep it short. Should be a couple of swipes on the phone to be able to get through the entire email. Next, make sure that it is personalized. Again, people don't want to be another number in the factory. I'll never forget 20 years ago watching a commercial on TV for Bank of America, and this then CEO gets on, he's in the check processing room, and he says, we don't process 11 million checks a day. We process one check 11 million times. I will never forget this. Because the little play on words shows how important it is to pay attention to each one as if it was the only one. And that's what you've got to do with your inquiries, even if you're getting a lot of inquiries. And then the third thing is the perfect inquiry response is going to be driven to get a discovery call. That's ultimately what we want to do. We want to pre-qualify them as much as possible, more so if we're getting a lot of inquiries, less so if we're not and we want to get more bookings. But ultimately, what we want to do is we want to take them to the next step in the sales process, which is always going to be discovery. What do they want and need, and how can I help them understand that as well? We're going to be doing a workshop series coming up soon in preparation for our Blueprint to Book More, which is going to open up here at the end of February. And so we're going to be doing three different workshops. I have one dedicated to inquiry responses that does a deeper dive than what I just went into, but doesn't focus on what you might be doing wrong. Instead, it focuses on the things that you need to do to make sure that you're getting that next activity, hopefully a discovery call with a qualified buyer. That workshop is going to be the second of the three. It's going to be on Thursday, February 17th, and we will have some information on how to sign up. So tune into that. Now, before I end this particular episode of the podcast, I want to talk a little bit about what happens when you get an inquiry from a referral partner. Because for you who are in the premium or especially the luxury space, this is a very important thing to get right. Now, I'm going to give you the short answer here, and that's that you have to do the same thing that you do with the regular inquiry responses, but you can be even shorter and more direct when you're working with other planners or venues. Because you're B2B, you're business to business. And because of that, you can just cut straight through to it. So you want to make sure that you're responding fast. You want to ask for the basics on the wedding. You want to make sure that you discover the client's needs. And you want to learn how they want more information delivered to them so they can share it with their potential client. You can and should do this not just for planners, but also for venues. Reach out to the venue manager. Remember, they're your coach. They're going to tell you and provide advice and recommendations and maybe even give you a playbook on what you need to do to book this couple. If you've got a friend in this venue or this planner, they're going to want you to do the work with the client. We like to work with our friends. It's easier. It's more fun. 
We can all make more money and then go out on vacation together because we don't have to work so much. So they're going to give you the referral and you just got to ask them for help. Now, here are some questions that I think that you should ask when reaching out to venues or planners when they first send an inquiry to you. Tell me more about this event. Tell me more about this event. Why did you think I would be a good fit? This is great because they're going to tell you the selling points that they already shared with the person that they referred business. If you ask them, why do you think I'd be a good fit? They're going to tell you, oh, I, I love that you do this and this and this. And if they can give that to you, they probably gave it to somebody else. These are the talking points they use to pitch your services in the first place. Now, you also want to make sure that you're finding out what's most important to the couple that's getting married. And B2B, it's great. You can just ask them straight up what's most important to them. Harder to do on a discovery call with a client, but you can do it very directly with a venue or a planner. Here's another thing you can ask. Who else are they looking at? This is important, not because you want to compete against them, but because you want to make sure that you're doing your own thing when you share your messages. You want to focus on the things that separate you. Focus on the things that make you different and better than the people who you are being compared to. And then lastly, here's a great question. What have you already shared with them about me and my services? That way, you know what's been done well that you can emphasize or what has not yet been done that you need to bring up. Now, if you are working with a planner, recognize that there are really two ends of a spectrum here that planners tend to fall on. Number one is that you don't get any contact with the client. The couple inquires not through the planner because they want to have contact with you or the planner wants them to have contact with you, but because the planner is doing the work. That's part of their value add is that they are collecting all the information, giving it to the couple, and the couple is then making a choice with the information that the planner has collected. That happens a lot. I think that happens more and more as you get higher and higher in price. But on the other end of the spectrum, and these are from planners who charge a boatload of money for their services as well and work with million dollar parties, is that you get full contact with the client. And, and for the planner, that could be very important, especially for vendor services like photography, for instance, where there needs to be a strong personal connection and you want to make sure it's a good fit. So having the interview through Zoom or in person is really important for the client to form that connection with the person that they're going to end up doing the work with. Now, what I see is that most planners fall somewhere in the middle. It's not that you get full contact and they're completely absent from the interview process or that you are getting no contact or no information and it's just give me your pricing and package. It's usually something in the middle. And so what you've got to do is make sure that you keep a kind of dossier on each of the planners who refers you business. And when they inquire, you need to make sure that you're creating a response that is based exactly on how they want you to respond. What is their process like? And that dossier that you have on each one of your planners or venues should list out very clearly, this is how they want information shared. This is how they work. This is their process. Drop your ego. Do it their way. Don't be a diva. There's only one star in planning the wedding, and that's the wedding planner, not you. Remember, you don't get married on the first date. You can fall in love, but you don't get married on the first date. Many of you know, Katie and I fell in love, true story, on our first date. We were at Engage in November of 2014. We were all hanging out together at a beach. We ended up going to lunch with some friends, and five minutes in, there was nobody else in the world. Just Katie, just me, and we were talking. That's how it started with us. But we didn't get married until four years to the day. I know, also 
pretty interesting part of our love story. Four years to the day we got married. It took four years. We fell in love. Four years later, we got married. Same thing with the couples who are inquiring with you. You can't propose on the first date. You won't get married on the first date. So dump that mentality that when somebody inquires, you're trying to book them. You're not trying to book them. You're trying to get a first date. Lose the book now button on your website. Lose the, let me know if you want to book one of my packages on your inquiry response. Get the first date, then get another. Get to know each other so that you can see if it's going to be a good fit. Yes, for budget, but also for personality and creativity. Is it a fun project? Will it build your portfolio? Is this going to further your career? Just because somebody has a lot of money in their bank account does not mean that it's worth giving up a date on your calendar. Make sure that you're using the inquiry response, not just to share information, but to make sure you can get to the next step so you can see if it's going to be a good fit both ways. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 